Welcome to TMBC's Comic Book Workshop. I'm Jason Hammonds, a writer who also draws. And I'm Kent Heidelman, an artist who also writes. We're both making comics while still kind of figuring out how to make comics. After sweeping libraries, bookstores, and the internet for whatever information we could find on making comics, we thought it would be a good idea to share our notes. And we're hoping we can help you make your own comics as well. So what's on the agenda today, Jason? Oh man, Kent, we got two, count them, one, two guest experts today. Uh, they are both artists. They are both artists who Ooh. have been around the block. They've, they've done all sorts of things that you've seen. Episode two, two interviews? Two for two. Two for Tuesday. It's Wednesday, but it's two for Tuesday. Okay. Unless they're listening to this in the future, then it's probably Sunday. Whatever day of the week it is. It's Sunday. It's definitely Sunday. Um, (laughs) uh, But Kent, you know Terry Dodson from Princess Leia, from Wonder Woman, from Teen Titans Earth One, from Red One. A lot of ones. He's, He's a big fan of the number one, as long as it's in letter form, in word form, rather. Uh, Terry Dodson, he's a great, great artist. Um, he gave us all sorts of good, uh, good, good little tidbits and tips. Um, and he also actually talked a little bit about his upcoming book, Adventure Man, uh, which uh, Matt Fraction is writing with him from, I believe, from Image Comics. Um, so that that's a good time. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and and that you know, you like these listeners, they'd hear that and go, "Man, Terry Dodson, I'll listen to this episode right now." That's not all we got, though. Like we said, two for Tuesday. But wait, there's more. There's more. Who do you think that second expert is? Do you know? Do you know, Kent? Mm, I give up. <laughs> this guy doesn't even, doesn't even know anything. He gave up before even trying to guess. Well, our second guest expert, Kent, is Mr. Steve Lieber, a graduate of the Kubert School, the artist of such comics as Whiteout, as The Fix, as the superior foes of Spider-Man. He's a fantastic artist. He's a great artist and a great guy. He's got a lot of chest hair. That's a that's a fun fact. That's a fact about uh, Steve Lieber's. He's got This is too much facts. Is I this think. too much facts? Possibly. I think it depends. Let us know let us know uh, letters at tmbcworkshop.com if you think that Steve Lieber's chest hair is too much oh, this information. This is going weird. Please apologies <laughs> on my side of the of the podcast. I'm not apologizing. I love Steve. Um, Steve's a great guy. Uh, he gave a lot of great tips. Talked about what he learned at the Kubert School, um, and and you know stuff that he says to young artists, and advice that he gives. Um, I I really enjoy Steve's art. I think he's one of the best uh, comedic artists. Like he's and he's not even. I wouldn't say he's a comedic artist, but like in comedic moments, I think Steve really really excels. Um, and I think that's n- nowhere is it more evident than in the fix. Um, so definitely check out his work. Um, but. And I hope you enjoy those interviews, those experts, those people, those wonderful artists. Uh, I think it'll be a good episode. Absolutely. I kind of want to spend a whole episode just talking about how much I love Steve Luber. <laughs> Let's just do that like, sometime. I, absolutely. His art is just so good. It's wonderful. No, nope. That not the chest hair. Yeah. And, uh, well, yeah, maybe. Maybe the chest hair. Uh, and Terry Dodson as well. I, I love it. Both, I can't, I can't both wait for Adventure Man. Stuff. I'm so stoked for that. Uh, but Kent, that's just the first half. What? That's not it? Freaking episode. That There's even more? Not, there is more. The second half of the episode, we talk about using reference. Sometimes when you're an artist, you don't know what's what's cheating, what's not cheating. Uh, you know what what's what's fair game, what's good to use. Sometimes people feel like there's a ton of pressure to just be like, oh, it's got to all come from your head. You can't look at a photo of something and start drawing from that. You can't you can't have a reference library to pull from. You got to make it all out of whole cloth. Um, and I think that's a complex a lot of artists get stuck up in. But we are here to dispel that. It's a, something I definitely need to spell for me. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, let's get, let's a, get into that. And it's another thing, I think, too, that like we, you don't want to go too far. You don't want to like be you know tracing over somebody's photo or something like that. Like that's there's that's a, where you go to middle far. ground. Yeah, and that, and that's what we talk about in this episode. Where is the zone of using reference and what works out for you? So first, we're gonna have those two uh, guest experts talking to us about making comics, and then you'll hear some ads, some nice little ads from our glorious sponsors. And in the second part, it'll be all of us talking about using reference. We hope you enjoy. Stay tuned. Dodson, uh, you know his work from all sorts of things, including Princess Leia, Wonder Woman, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, Terry, what was uh, what was your education in art? Are you self-taught, or did you go to school for, for art? Uh, I'm, I'm primarily self-taught. Uh, when I went to college, I studied engineering, but I took um, art classes on the side, and actually... Through those years of college, I got better at drawing and painting and, and took more and more classes. And by the time it was my fourth year of college, I was working full-time in comics. So I ended up being kind of uh, on-the-job training. So. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. How, so when, as you're drawing and stuff, how did you sort of um, get, you know, what was your method of getting your work out there and getting people to kind of see or read or admire your work? Um, when I, well, in, in order to uh, get my work seen at, at that time was to go to comic conventions. And, and fortunately, um, in, I lived in Portland, Oregon. And we had like two, two shows a year. There was actually a lot of local talent that lived there. And then in uh, like two years before I broke in, I started going to San Diego Comic-Con, showing my stuff. And that was the great to get all the feedback and meet all the other artists and editors. And, you know, um, by the time it was my third San Diego, I was working as a professional. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so you, you are very frequently uh, inked by your wife. Uh, and I, I'm wondering what is what's the thing that like she hates when you do you know work wise if you're if you're penciling a page or whatever and then you hand it over to her to ink what's the biggest thing that annoys her? Uh, technical backgrounds. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> cityscapes. Anything she has to rule. She hates. She's, she, she's very organic. She loves doing hair, uh, animals, female characters. She loves doing that stuff. But the, once I start drawing in some cityscapes and or uh, spaceships or guns, it's like oh cars. So I actually end up inking most of that stuff myself now. Oh, We're really, really tight where she needs to do it. You know, it's yeah. so yeah. Cool. yeah. Have, have you found that you enjoy working with your wife more in terms of just that process, or or do you kind of enjoy more sometimes just being able to hand it off to someone you don't know and, and let them work on that? Um, well, you know, we it's like we're at twenty years working together, so it's very normal. It's like handing off to somebody else would be really difficult because at this point if she doesn't do it i'll do it you know i color my work myself now so the further it's getting away from me the worse that you know we're getting from the the heart of the artwork itself so we keep it really much in the family that it's that that we have very similar visions of what it should be and uh so yeah no it's a really unique situation a great situation i can't imagine your guys' signatures being apart because I see it all the time on most yeah. of the artwork. Yeah, yeah, I love actually, it. I actually was talking to, to some editors from another from a company, and they're asking, now, "What about Rachel working on other people's stuff?" And just like, she has no problem doing it. It's just the fact that if she's not making my stuff, she'd rather just not be inking. And yeah. so now you got to add, give her more work. And one job's enough for her. You know, she, if she's not inking me or whatever, she'd rather be do, go doing something fun yeah. else. So, uh, do you at this point? Obviously, you've you've been working in comics for a long time. You're definitely you know a, a, a very sort of seasoned pro. Uh, do you have like a hammered out day day by day process for how you work at this point? Yeah, I have a pretty good idea where I what, I, I I want I need to be uh, at my my office by X point a day so I can deal with all the emails and any social media stuff that needs to be dealt with, and then get 
to X amount of stuff done by, by lunchtime. Take a, we take a nice long hour break at lunch, and then we work all afternoon, and then we, five days a week, take a uh, exercise break yeah. uh, for two hours That's every awesome. day in the afternoon together, um, and then work a little bit more in the evening to kind of catch up on what didn't get done, and then, yeah, it's a really, after this time, it's a pretty scientific technique, yeah. and whatever doesn't get dealt with during the week, I, I, I do first thing Saturday mornings. Yeah. And do you have like a, a page a day type goal or something like that for yourself? Well, yeah, there's, I mean, it's, it depends on the project. The current book I'm doing, Adventure Man, it's a creator-owned book. Matt Fraction and I are doing. Um, there's so much There's so much design work to do on that book and thought and characters that it takes um, maybe I'm only doing half that, maybe half a page a day. But if I'm finally getting into a good groove on that particular book where it's maybe like three pages a week. And Adventure Man, I've, I, I just, like you saying that, totally reminded me of that. And I remember, like, hearing well, the first time I heard about this, I was like, it's amazing. It right. seems like kind of a callback to sort of uh, a lot of old um, kind of pulp hero type stuff. Uh, tell it for, you know, those who don't know, what's Adventure Man about? Well, yeah, Adventure Man uh, is a, Adventure Man is like this Doc Savage uh, super character from the 1940s. He's appeared in all these pulp books, novels from the 40s. And then they went out of print, and we come to present day, and uh, Claire Connell is a retired uh, New York City police officer who lost her hearing in a shooting. She runs her mom's uh, used bookstore, and her son's favorite book to read is Adventure Man. And it turns out that Adventure Man just isn't a series of books. It's actually a guidebook on how to become Adventure Man. And, and in their daily lives, there's these things happening in New York City, just like they were in the 40s, that deal with this Adventure Man character. And pretty soon the worlds collide, and she becomes the new adventure man it's, it's 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 awesome that's a really like uh sort of meta almost like grant morrison feeling yeah. concept you know yeah, yeah. it's really cool uh what from from your end what's been the most challenging uh part of of that comic of creating this comic the most challenging part by far is creating this uh new world and worlds because not only is it a new world but it's really two new worlds because we do this the 40s era and then we do the modern era and each one of those eras each have this giant cast of characters so it's two worlds plus two giant casts so that's like basically double the work but and then planning long term knowing that those worlds are coming together so it's really going to be like a a third <laughs> yeah. level of, of world that we're gonna we're gonna have so it's, but as a creator it's it's a great challenge yeah I'm, I'm excited to hear that you're exploring the creator-owned work, but uh, you've been in comics for a really long time. Is there any project that you've yet to work on that you've still got your like eyes set on? I don't think I do. I mean, I, I've basically done everything I want to do, so now what the deal is when it's like, who's going to be writing it? What's the schedule? What are we going to do differently this time? What's the? Is it something that's going to be worth my time to do? And so there's still stuff that, I, that I've done or done before that I wouldn't mind revisiting. But it's uh, it's what's what's what are we gonna do new with it? What what's it gonna make it interesting to the readers this time? As opposed to just another relaunch or you know. And I think sometimes uh, young writers and young artists tend to focus on what other you know like if if someone's a young writer they tend to focus on what writers you know experienced writers say and if someone's a young artist they tend to focus on what artists say. But I'm curious if you were talking to a young writer, what's the biggest tip that you can give them to make their artist's life either easier or more interesting? Uh, make sure that you're. Story is cleanly told, so that they're not having to question what's happening in the story. If it's clear to them, they'll be able to tell it a lot more clear. If they're trying to solve problems in the story, they have to not only solve those problems, but then translate those onto a page for someone to understand. So yeah, as a clarity in the writing. And do you prefer uh, like full script style, or do you kind of prefer a little bit more plot? You know, style? Matt and I are working from a plot, but I, I work whatever the writer is more comfortable with and gets their communication to me clearly is fine. Uh, uh, 
full uh, plot gives me the most freedom. But if it's too much freedom, sometimes that's a problem. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's a nice balance you have to work. <laughs> yeah. um, and do you do you use the computer? I mean, obviously, when you color your own work, you probably use Photoshop and stuff. Right. Is there any other part in your work where where you start to use Photoshop or things like that, or is it yeah, all? Just- I, I, when I'm designing covers, I, I do everything really small and rough, and then I scan that in, and then clean up the mistakes, and make it clear for the editors to look at full color and all that stuff. So. Uh, then I blow those up and draw those based off what I did on the computer. Yeah. Um, so uh, unless you got any other questions, uh, I basically just, uh, where can people find you online? And then we have one last question. Yeah, well, easiest thing is Google my name. That's Terry Dodson is me, but it's Terry Dodson Art is, is my website, my uh, all my social media handles, Instagram, tw- Twitter, uh, and you Facebook. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then the last question we ask everybody who we have on the show is, uh, why do you love comics? I love the art. Yeah, that's it. Lured me in. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, sir. I am Steve Lieber, artist of The Fix. Awesome. Uh, did you ever go to art school? I did. I'm a, uh, I studied at the Joe Kubert School. I was going to say I'm a graduate, but... I finished classes, but I still I still owe Joe twenty bucks, so I never actually got my diploma. <laughs> Can't really call myself a graduate. Uh, how do you think that uh, the Kubert School helped you uh, in your career? I, uh, everything I know how to do, I, I learned there. Did you Did you draw it all before you went to art oh, school? Then I drew a lot. I was just terrible. <laughs> I was I was terrible, and I was pretentious, and I just didn't understand even the basics of craft. And uh, the teachers I had at the Kubert School were. Uh, were were very uh, craft focused. They 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 pushed us really really hard to learn what what the requirements of the job are, what the requirements are, and how to do them. Okay. Uh, did you did you or do you still uh, have a, a mentor in your craft? Um, I think I do a lot more mentoring than than having than having a mentor. I mean, there's 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 lots of artists I look up to, both among peers and in, in the past. Uh, but these days. Uh, I'm part of a big group studio called Helioscope in Portland. There's, we have 28 working cartoonists who are members, and we've had 60, maybe 65 young artists cycle through as part of our mentorship program. So I spend, I spend a lot of time talking to young artists, yeah. just kind of you know, critiquing their work, walking them through what makes a page work and what, what doesn't. That's that's actually amazing, and that's that's something uh, I have a, a lot of questions around that. I'll try to keep them concise. Um, in terms of in terms of in your mentoring, what have you noticed is the biggest commonality that young artists have to um, overcome in order to sort of get to that next level? Um, it's really hard for for young artists to understand that they don't call it basic drawing because it's easy. It's it's basic because it's the it's the base. It's the foundation of everything else you need to do. Um, uh, it's it's always wildly frustrating when you when you have all sorts of deep expressive things you, that you want to share with the world to be told to go back and, and knuckle down and learn academic perspective, learn how the human body is constructed. Even if you're going to stylize the heck out of it, um, expression from understanding is way way more convincing and, and more authoritative. And it just and it just has a, the artists who understand uh, how things are put together tend to have a lot more to say. Uh, it's, they're, they're expressing an informed opinion, yeah. um, and, and nobody wants to be told, "Go back and learn the basics." But uh, they, they, that's the most common thing that they all that they all need to hear. 
And, and in the end, five years later, they come back and they say, yeah, you, you were right. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that that's a, a commonality among any professional. They, they end up figuring out years later their teachers uh, were, were actually saying the right thing the whole time. Um, from the mentoring, what do you think uh, you personally have learned the most from you know, sort of mentoring and teaching so many people? Oh, man, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, I think it's forced me to really clarify my own thinking about storytelling, uh, to, to understand the principles that in some places I'd intuited or I, I just kind of, I, I half understood what I was doing or why I was doing it, whereas having to figure out how to explain it clearly to someone who just doesn't get it at all really makes you understand what it is you're talking about. Okay. Uh, do you, for your pages, I'm, and, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but you're, you're uh, traditional all the way, right? I used to be. Now I'm 99% digital. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, what, uh, what prompted the switch to digital for you? Uh, my eyeballs not being what they used to. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's really it. Uh, I, and, and I've been doing a lot of comedy books for the past few years, which uh, requires lots of little panels to get the timing right. And little panels means drawing really, really small and squinting at it if you're working uh, on if you're working analog, if you're working on, on traditional media. Whereas uh, if I'm working digital, I can take that 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 tiny one sixteenth of a page panel and blow it up to the to the, the size of a sheet of notebook paper and draw with my whole arm instead of my crabbed fingers and wrist and get exactly the subtlety of expression, even though it's a tiny little drawing that I, that I want to, all without straining my eyes. Okay. Uh, and has there been uh, a noticeable um, drawback to uh, to using digital? Uh, honestly, no. Uh, it, it, the, the learning curve wasn't all that steep. I'm lucky to work around a lot of other artists who, who are all very, very good with digital. So there's always somebody to ask, hey, why is, why is Manga Studio doing this? Um, and once I figured out which, brush I, which digital brushes I like and which settings gave me the results that, that I liked, um, now... Uh, most people who I show uh, my pages to can't tell what's been done digitally and what's been done traditional. Um, and the, 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 biggest, the biggest loss is just not having an original page, which I, I, I still love the object, and I, I miss having that. But uh, I, I like getting home to see my wife at 5 p.m. <laughs> instead of 9.30, too. All right, cool. Yeah, most of, uh, most of the rest of what we got here is pretty simple and easy. Um, the, the last sort of like technical in the weeds question I'll ask you is uh, what is your what's your typical sort of work day like or what's your typical routine for a page um, um, well it, it, it depends a lot on, on who's writing it um, my collaborator on the fix and superior foes Nick Spencer writes a very loose page where he gives me a lot of room to improvise and play uh, it's, it's a lot like the prompts you'd get in, a, in, in improv comedy or something in places uh, so with that, there's a lot of thinking and standing up and, and figuring out what the gag is and, and, and how to make it work. Um, and so I, I'll, I'll thumbnail that, just tiny little pencil sketches until I get the rhythm I want. Uh, sometimes I'll shoot photo reference of my studio mates acting things out. Um, and, and then from there to, to drawing it. Um, Along the way, there's dealing with stuff in my studio. I, I, I kind of manage the place in addition to being a member. So there's always, uh, wait, did the rent get paid? Uh, the, the, the landlord needs everything moved out of the storage area because they're painting and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Check with the intern to make sure that the social media stuff got done. A million tiny things. 
but somehow a page gets drawn every day. A good, a good day is a page, a page and a half, sometimes even two, two pages. But a typical, a, a typical day is at least a page. And uh, so, what? Uh, these these will all be you know pretty easy general questions. But uh, what's your what's your favorite convention right now? Our favorite convention to go to? Uh, the. We we won't have to out the convention we're currently at since it's audio. They won't know where we are. It's cool. Um, probably Emerald City Comic Con. It's always spectacularly well organized. The crowd there is fantastic. Um, it's close to my hometown. Uh, so it's an easy train ride, and it's you know, and it's four days, and I'm never not busy for a second during those four days, which is which is wonderful. Plus, I just lo- I really like visiting Seattle. After that, it's e- uh, the easy the easy second would be Rose City Comic Con, which is my hometown yeah, show. Easy. Um, and uh, do you do, is there is there an end inside it for uh, for the fix, or do you, or do you plan on going on the fix as long as possible? There is. I, uh, I think we're going to be. I think it's going to be sixteen or eighteen issues. And what do you have planned after that? Um, working on a project, uh, starting to accumulate pages on it with Jeff Parker, uh, with uh, who, the writer of Future Quest, uh, and um, um, and he and I worked together on Underground and had a great time on that. There was another book at Image, um, and I'm also t- I'm also uh, doing a short story. Uh, with a writer, uh, a, a novelist named Willie Vlauten, who's magnificent, a great novelist who I'm a big admirer of, who's dipping a toe into comics, um, and talking about some other things, but that's all yeah. way in the far distance. <laughs> um, and, and I guess last and most importantly, uh, where can somebody listening, what should they check out, where can they find you online, all that stuff? Uh, probably the easiest thing is to find me on Twitter. That's Steve underscore Lieber, L-I-E-B as in boy, E-R. kent man those those guys those characters what great interviews ah really all that knowledge and insight and those interviewers man where'd they come from they're they just amazing you could see the handsomest right through the mic so handsome such handsome boys uh well before kent we 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 got some stuff to talk about namely using reference that's one big thing we're going to talk about uh before we do that Let's uh let's get this shiz paid for. Let's go let's go hear some ads. Kent, do you ever read magazines? Nope. Would you read a magazine if it didn't involve any paper at all? I know you're a big environmentalist. Now I'm sold. Boom, easy. The greatest news in the world is about to be delivered right to your face hole, Kent, because this magazine that I'm about to tell you about, no trees were harmed in the making. That's that's right. All I, those I happy love trees. trees. All those happy trees still standing because Panel by Panel is a digital exclusive magazine. What's Panel by Panel? Oh, what's Panel by Panel, he asks. Come on, listeners, this chump over here. Panel by Panel is a uh, monthly magazine all about the craft of comics. This is a magazine filled with insight from professionals in the comics medium. We've you've got people like Kieran Gillen in there all the time. You got you got people like Denise Camp in there all the time. You got all sorts of writers and artists talking about the medium they love and that is comics. The uh editor in chief 
of this wonderful comics magazine is Mr. Hassan Otsman L. Howe. You may know him from the YouTube channel Strip Panel Naked, where each week he dissects comics and, and analyzes all their many benefits. Panel by Panel is just his latest project. I happen to be a contributor, and Panel by Panel is the, the vessel through which this show is even existing, Kent. It sounds like a magazine that I would love to read. If you want to know anything about comics... I do. You got to go to panelxpanel.com right now. I'm going. Kent. Jason. I hear you got a comic. I do. My name's Kent Heidelman, and I've got a free comic for you to read. Free? Yeah, it's absolutely free. It's online. <laughs> it's called Scariest and Screamforth. Am I going to be scared? Probably. Damn it. Well, maybe not. But it's great. Uh, kind of an all-ages comic. Hell yeah. Kind of awesome. I am one of all ages. You are. I then you're going to love age. Scariest in Screamforth. Scariest in Screamforth. It's a story uh-huh. about three kid monsters. <laughs> what? Yeah. Normally the kids are running away from the monsters. Well, now they are. But they are also themselves monsters. What? It's yes. like everyone's a monster. It is a whole town of monsters. And the town is called <gasps> Screamforth. Now the title makes sense. That's right. So if you go to scariestandscreamforth.com, you can read my free comic for free. Dude, I'm going to I'm going to throw my car off a cliff and go read that right now. Great. Hey Kent, Jason. I love to be patronized. Then boy, are you lucky. Am Cause, I? Cuz we've got something coming right for you. What? It is the Patreon for a place called Comic Book Workshop. That's where we are right now. You're there. I'm already there. Kent. Jason. There are so many great benefits to becoming a patron of Comic Book Workshop. The list goes on forever. So many specific benefits. You are not going to believe it. All of those benefits. Kent, you should list out every one of those benefits. I will. Right As soon as you go to our Patreon and you will see... All of those specific listings, one after the other. Man, look at all these specifics. I'm scrolling on it right now, Kent. And look they at that first look, one. That first one's amazing. And that second one whoo, oh, might even be even I better. Can't even resist. And the very bottom one that that's that's the real winner. What a great way to support this podcast. It really is. You know, when there's a little little raft of a podcast out in the middle of the great blue sea, sometimes all it needs is just a little wind in the sails. So if you really do enjoy this podcast, then maybe you should go check out Comic Book Workshop Patreon. Yeah. I think the username is TMBC Workshop, probably. That's the one. That's how you find it. You can find it just like that. Just like that. And if you want to support the show, check it out there. And it will have all those specifics that we were talking about that we already know. Now you know. Now you know, because it's the ads. Are we back? I think we're back. Are they? Oh, what? yeah, they're mm, they're here. They're, they're listening. <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> this is really oh. awkward. Uh-oh. I was not ready for this. Uh, man, it's been a long week, Kent. It's been a long week and or a long two minutes in between listening to the last episode and pushing play on the next one because uh, the listeners are time travelers in, in our reality. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're fourth dimensional. Uh, they're, they're fourth dimensional beings. Um, 
But uh, I think really what, what needs to happen right now is we need to take some accountability. We need to talk about what we've been up to. We need to tell each other exactly how much work we've been getting done. So what have you been working on this week, Jason? Uh, I have been working on an article for Panel by Panel, which uh, was probably released the same day as this episode, as well as our first and third episodes. Um, the, uh, the feature on Robert Kirkman. Uh, I'm, I'm nice. writing that and kind of getting my notes together and figuring out structure, stuff like that. And so I, I've made a decent amount of progress on that this week, um, as well as doing layouts for two more pages of uh, the comic book that I am writing and illustrating. Um, but definitely, I like laying out two pages and getting uh, a bit of an article done in uh, the last... I guess it's been almost a week since the last time that we uh, spoke, or maybe it was a week. I don't know. The recording time and the release time is very different, listeners. All right? <laughs> Give us, we're all a, over the place we're in a time paradox right now and i don't know how to get out um <laughs> but uh yeah so I, it's definitely my output in the last week has been lower than i wanted it to be um i've done a lot of uh sort of random drawing that hasn't directly correlated to making a comic but more just like some studies and and things like that um but yeah that's that's what i've been doing this week what about you kent uh for me I've been mostly doing uh, kind of boring clerical work. Uh, it's related to the comic, but it's not necessarily work on the comic. Um, so I applied for uh, a, another credit and debit card specifically for like business purchases. Ah. That way I can keep track of it tax wise. And it's not it's not a sexy topic, but it's uh, it's a good something one. that uh, yeah maybe we can talk about it in a different way. I'm not yeah. an, I don't know enough about financials to give advice to anyone, <laughs> but I th- it was just a simple idea of just on if I was going to try to do tax deductions yep. uh, to be able to have it all in one place because uh, I do plan on buying some stuff that's related to me working on comics. Anyway, yeah. so that was an important thing that I needed to do and kind of figure out what card I wanted. So it's there's some research that was involved in that. Uh, you and I did a comic day with our friend uh, Melody Mew. We did do I've, a comic uh, day with our friend Melody Mew, and she was definitely the most productive out of the three of us. Yes, yes, she was. So uh, hats off to her. Uh, she did the best work. <laughs> I, I discovered that uh, writing and talking do not go hand in hand. They do not. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you did much better. Oh, well, you, you did the same thing, but you did much better than I did. But um, I did learn a fair amount on my process still a little bit more. Uh, so I will take that with me uh, for when I work on my next... Uh, doing my next pages, but I did yeah. do uh, like one page of an outline, mm-hmm. uh, or not an outline, but like layout. I did one page of layout, which is nothing. That's not something to brag about, but it's more than I had the day before. So I will take the positivity on that. It's true. And then uh, I did something. Oh, I also um, I did a contest a couple months ago for a character for characters from the comic, mm-hmm. and I was doing a giveaway for it. And so now I'm I was working on getting all the packages uh, packaged up and addresses and uh, yeah. writing handwritten notes in each one. So that was taking some time too. So, I mean, it's all kind of, it's all related to it. And one of it is directly working on the comic. But, yeah. It's all, uh, it's all, it's, it's, it's a lot it's of business the, stuff. Exactly. It's a lot of the business of making comics, which is, is good to know. And that, that we will have a lot of sort of business related topics uh, as we go forward, because I think that's one of the areas that oftentimes people, especially like once they break through, I think are, are least equipped uh to handle and so there's thankfully like i i am myself a business owner um and so i've i've had some experience with managing the business and the business that i i own my s corp is is going to play a factor in the comics that i make and so 
Um, there's a lot of this stuff that I, I, you know, will hopefully be pretty prepared for and, and decently, uh, prepared to give advice on. But the nice thing is we'll have our, uh, our interviews to sort of supplant the stuff that we do not know, which is kind of the goal of them. Yeah, exactly. This, this podcast is as much for us to learn, uh, (laughs) It's it's almost more for us to learn. Yeah, than, I think this podcast is basically just a a, a a a sneaky sneaky trick for us to 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 covertly get information out of people that we selfishly desire, uh, and then only putting it out to the internet for people just so that we can have a believable cover uh, to be able to ask <laughs> these questions of people. Well, secrets out, episode two. Secrets that out. Much of a build up. Damn. <laughs> Guess we'll never be Spoiler able to alert. interview again. Um, <laughs> No, I'm yeah, kidding. so that's uh, that's what I've been up to. Uh, so, what uh, what is the topic for today's episode? Our topic today is about something that uh, often makes artists very uncomfortable. Uh, we today I don't know going... what you're talking about. <laughs> you have no idea what we're talking about. We have never had debates about this specific topic. Um, <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking about photo reference, um, when you should use it, how to use it, uh, and my kind of perspective or take on it is is really more why you should use it um it's it's a thing that too many especially young artists tend to torture themselves over uh trying to to figure out original and and um totally cut from whole cloth pages and panels and you know it ends up taking you a month to get a page done and you can't figure out why and the funny thing is that in the end when you look back five years from now you'll realize oh yeah that layout was actually stolen subconsciously from this comic and that framing was subconsciously stolen from this movie and you know like stuff like that where you'll be like oh damn well i guess i guess i could have just used photo reference if i if i wanted to it really wouldn't have made much of a difference because i still am stealing from stuff in my subconscious um anyway we'll get into all that but uh the biggest thing is you know it's it's just very common for uh people to kind of kill themselves over things when when you know, there's an easier path available that allows you to actually do the thing that you're supposed to be doing, which is illustrating your comic. Um, yeah, everything you just said, I wished I could go back in time to myself in high school and just sit down and be like, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. You can do it. Just just do it. Just use use some photo reference. Yeah. It's not going to hurt you. And it's and so, still practice, but still, don't yeah. use it as a... As a uh, use it. Don't use it as a crutch, but use it as a tool. Use it as a tool, and and that's that's the thing is is here here in the workshop we try to use all the tools in our toolbox. Um, Absolutely. And so I mean the, the the time that this kind of broke through for me uh, that I started you know putting all this together is when I heard um, Steve Lieber talking about this, uh, and he is actually coincidentally enough the interview that we have today. Um, so you have that to look forward to. Uh, but it's it's not... Just so you know, so you have kind of some credibility to it of people who make comics, who have been nominated for Eisners or won Eisners, uh, who are masters of the craft. Um, just to name a few people who talk about how much they've used photo reference in their work. I mean, just to speak of people who use photo reference in almost all of their panels and have talked about doing so, you've got some heavy hitters like Steve Lieber of uh, the fix and superior foes of Spider-Man and Hawkeye and the uh, Whiteout, other comics, um, Greg Smallwood of Moon Knight fame, as well as um, Archie and uh, Vampire Onica and um, oh, shoot. What was the, the um, dream thief? 
at Image. You've got Mitch Garrids of Sheriff of Babylon, Punisher, uh, Mr. Miracle. Um, you've also got people like Mac Chatter, Brad Walker, Michael Lark, Sean Phillips, J.P. Leon. All of those people uh, have talked about using photo reference on almost all of their uh, on almost all of their panels. Um, I, I, I glazed there a little bit. That's a huge list, and just the number of people mentioning it, just that you mentioned, should be an indicator that this is not like an that one or two individual artists. Totally. This is this is a, a huge number, and those are the ones that we're aware of. Yeah, those are the ones that we're aware of that openly talk about it. Uh, and more yeah. than half of those people have been nominated for or won Eisner Awards in the past. Um, or even as That's recently a, as this year in the case of Mitch Garrett's. Uh It's pretty... Uh, I mean, that, that, that data says a lot. Pretty good. And I mean, like, so... And, and there, there are varied ways to use uh, photo reference. And, and one other... Or two other names on this list, you know, might even surprise you, actually, uh, who use photos for a lot of their comics work, and that is Sean Murphy and Mobius. Uh, the famed... that one that that one they both are like that blows my mind. Yeah, like really, like Sean, like Sean Murphy, the John, Sean, the, the, the Sean, the Murphy. Sean Gordon Murphy. Um, and and here's the thing too, artists use photo reference to many varying degrees and in many different ways. Uh, in the case of Steve Lieber or Mitch Garrids or Greg Smallwood, they will use their photo reference as kind of an underdrawing. Um, you know, they will, they will take a photo and either light box or, you know, put it like a lot of them work digitally. Now I know that Lieber, Smallwood and Garrett's, all three of them work digitally. Um, they will take the photo and then, you know, basically arrange it on their comic book page, uh, you know, and stitch together other things. Like they will basically just sort of create collages in each one of their panels of photo references or, you know, digital sculptures or things like that. And then just turn the opacity down but it gives them a good sort of rough kind of underdrawing that they can sort of draw over and use it to kind of guide their 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 pencil and guide their basic shapes. Um, and that way, kind of the anatomy, the proportions, and especially the biggest thing is the framing uh, can be very easily translatable. It's, it's, it's so much easier to kind of create that type of those shots and, and that sort of emotion when you're actually working with your hands to create those photos. Um, but then it sounds like a, a lot of front front load work because you're you know you're reading the script you're kind of thinking about what you want and then you're going and taking pictures that reflect kind of the paneling that you want to do but once you've got that laid out there mm-hmm. and you've dropped those images in there at that very very sh- like almost non-existent uh, opacity so you can kind of barely see them but enough that you've got a picture then you just go to work you just are then just knocking it out yeah and these guys I mean their output is typically, you know, from from what they've talked about before, their output is typically at the very minimum a page per day. But oftentimes, I mean, they, they you notice a lot of these people, they will, their process will speed up when they switch to digital. All three of them used to work in traditional um, and, and switched over to digital drawing at some point. And all three of them have talked about how their process has sped up. Um, That's amazing. And when you're talking about someone like Sean Murphy, he is famous for working very traditionally. He works with pencil and ink on everything. Um, and he's very stylized. You know, you look at Sean Murphy and none of his stuff exactly. really looks like photos, right? No. That's you why know? it surprised me that you're saying that he uses photo reference. Totally. And, and, but that's the thing is he's, he uses it a bit different than, than Lieber or Smallwood or Garrett's. He, he's someone who will take photos of poses, you know, or even sometimes outfits or cars or whatever and will look at them while drawing, you know, and, and sort of have them next to his artboard uh, to reference. But 
you know, he's not he's not using them under his drawings. He's more looking at them for for inspiration. Um, you know, and even just general poses and lighting and stuff like that. I mean, if you if you look at his Twitter feed, he's shared tons of pictures of the photo reference that he takes. You know, and it is very often, you know, the exact the exact panel that he ends up drawing in terms of like how it's framed and what and the contents of it, um, and how it's lit and stuff like that. But, you know, there is that layer of interpretation where he's not even directly drawing on top of it. And so it creates even more kind of distance between the photo and, and I think injects even more personality into it. Um, but that's the Those thing is two very different executions of of, a, of the same tool. Exactly. And I think all of these guys, when you look at any of them, you know, again, Sean Murphy, Mobius, J.P. Leone, uh, Michael Lark, Sean Phillips, Brad Walker, Mac Chatter, Mitch Garrett, Greg Smallwood, Steve Lieber... All of them have, I think, very different styles. And I think every single one of those people on that list have a distinct style that stands out that doesn't just look like, oh, they translated a photo. Um, you know, it's, it's expressive. It says something. It's, it's dynamic. Uh, because they've kind of figured out that balance of, you know, what to pull from the photo and, and also not being a slave to the photo. Um, in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote here from Mobius um where he is kind of talking uh about you know that about that exact thing um and i'm trying to find it i had it pulled up like 10 minutes ago and it's vanished on me kent it's vanished and i'm panicking um you should be panicked you failed this podcast i failed this podcast i had i had it right there oh here we go here it is look at me i found it maybe this is going to get edited out anyway um <laughs> or maybe not we'll see <laughs> we'll see uh so he's he's talking about um he's talking about working from photos and the biggest thing that he says uh that you, he says you have to take the elements from the photo that you need and uh retranscribe them through your your personal computer you know wh- when he said this this was in 1987 he he more meant kind of your paradigm <laughs> Uh, you know, your head. He didn't actually mean your personal computer. However, that is kind of how people are doing it these days anyway. Um, in order to get a personal... That's funny. The context yeah. talk shit. Isn't that weird, right? That's uh, weird. He invented the PC. Um, <laughs> in order to get a personal vision, uh, the same rule applies to drawing from nature. It's very difficult, but what it's, it's what enables the artist to bring his vision to work. Otherwise, he's nothing but a parrot or an ape. Um, you know, he, he talks about Basically, he said, you know, he says it's a very special kind of skill uh, working from from photos. If you're too loyal to the photo, it, it swallows you up. You know, it can it can um, been there, been there. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it can just it can make you you're just transcribing something uh, and it doesn't give it the same feel, the same three dimensionality doesn't translate. Um, and so you really you, you, you have to learn, you know, that balance between working from the photo and using the space there uh to to sort of relay the image while at the same time you're not like okay i have to you know trace this thing like you're not really tracing you want to be kind of interpreting from it um and so everybody will find their their way along that line uh and and some people you know like in the case of sean murphy you won't even use it as an underdrawing at all you'll just kind of look at it and work from it but with other people they they will use it as an underdrawing and and get their work done faster i mean it's it's really up to personal style and I think especially when you're starting out, um, a good example of this is Jonathan Hickman. When he made his comic, The Nightly News, the first comic he ever made, he wrote and illustrated and designed it himself and lettered it and everything. 
uh, all of the illustrations in that book were like directly drawn on top of photo reference and even like almost traced. You could argue that they were almost traced. He has a, in the 10th anniversary edition, he has kind of a process thing that he goes through in the back. Um, but they were still very stylized. You know, he got very heavy with the inks and stuff like that and made a very sort of noir feeling. Um, but that's the thing is, is he, his goal was not to be a writer slash artist. His goal really was to be a writer. But you know, when you're starting out and trying to make your own comic, you do what you got to do, you know, like whatever it, whatever the obstacle is between you and hitting the finish line on your comic, you've got to eliminate those obstacles as much as possible. And so he went, well, I'm not as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. As much as possible. And so it's like, he goes, I'm not a technically gifted artist. You know, I'm no, I'm no Sean Murphy, you know? So what can I do to allow myself to tell a story through pictures? Well, if I take tons of photo reference, you know, and I, and I figure out my framing and then just snap a photo of myself or one of my friends, you know, doing that thing, then that makes it infinitely easier to, to get that out. Uh, you know, and even for artists, you know, you can figure out a really cool process there. Um, but it's two about, artists that I would I'd like to mention yeah. that are. Did you mention Tony Harris? Um, I actually didn't mention Tony Harris. That's good to know. Yeah. Tony Harris, yeah, co-creator of Ex Machina, and I think he did Tom's, Star Lord or Star Starman. Um, Starman yeah. for DC. Yeah, Starman. Uh, great only, comic. Like heavily, at least for Ex Machina, heavily uses uh photo reference mm-hmm. they're even in the back of the comic yeah you can see the photo to finished line work mm-hmm. and it is very very heavily used and i didn't know that that was a f- the fact until i got to the back of the book no one told me totally i had no idea looking at it and it's excellent it's really good work and uh, I th- some people may not like it but i i love that comic and it's and most people do yeah and and i think this you know that that, that kind of brings up an important thing is that you know, you can't just pull any photo off the internet and, and you know, trace over the top of it, right? And, and I think in general, you shouldn't necessarily really be tracing ever. Uh, but, you know, the biggest thing is if you're, if you're pulling photos from the internet for reference, you got to make sure that you are just looking at them for reference, that you're not just taking someone else's photo or someone else's design or whatever and putting it on the page, that you are Yeah, not as an underdrawing. It. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I would never use someone else's stuff as an underdrawing. You know, if you're putting something under your, your, your work and using it like as a reference to that degree, I would say always make sure you're taking your own photos. Um, but for other stuff, you know, I mean, there are certain things that you're just you're not going to be able to have access to. Right. Like if if I have to draw a panel of a crowd, you know, down below the Eiffel Tower. I personally just don't really have the means to go to France and take a photo under the Eiffel Tower or even look and see what that what that fucking looks like from that perspective. And so, of course, I'm going to go on the Internet or, or you know, if this was in the 90s, I would go to the library, uh, you know, or 90s or before, I guess. It, it works if you're in 1960 as well. Um, <laughs> but any, any time travelers listening to this to this podcast, I think will be helped. Um, you know, but it's like you'll you'll go and find those things. You know, but it would be a a huge, uh, I think, just general violation for me to pull a photo that somebody took under the Eiffel Tower and then just trace over that. Um, But obviously, I would have to look at that type of stuff to figure out how to draw that. Um, And so it's, I don't know. Use it for reference. It's just very simple. Reference, not not an underdrawing. And shit, I mean, Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby did it. He's the king of comics. He used reference all the time. 
Um, wow. And in that's, some cases, that one is jaw dropping because <laughs> it's so so stylized. Yeah, and I mean, he I I don't think he was ever drawing on top of photos, but he I mean, at Marvel they had a giant you know file, and even at, at his own house they had you know filing cabinets full of reference photos to pull. You know, when it was cars or buildings or even just general poses. Uh, they had, you know, huge filing cabinets that they would pull from. And I, I wish I could remember what specifically they called those things. Um, the vault, the morgue. I think it was the morgue. Yeah. You might yeah, be right. Something like that. Um, I think it was morgue. But yeah, it was just, it was just, you know, giant filing cabinets that they would pull from. Um, you know, so for, I was assumed photograph. as a kid and that's the, the prejudice that I had going in that these artists were not using any reference that they mm-hmm. had just spent their lives going out and drawing all these things in the wild and then not use and just kind of not necessarily doing it from their head, but I just kind of thought that they were. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's a thing that everyone assumes, and I think part of that comes from like art classes and stuff. You know, a lot of sort of old school people would tell you like, you know, you have to always either draw from life or draw from your mind. And it's like, well, I don't know if that's always the case. You know, like there's just because then it's like, okay, so if you're someone who's, you know, who's who doesn't have the means to travel, right? You live in Norman, Oklahoma, and you know, you may never leave Norman, Oklahoma your, your entire life. So does that just mean you can only draw shit in Norman, Oklahoma? Like, you know, like, that's such a weird... You can't use the most powerful thing ever created by humanity yeah, called the like, internet. Use the internet for everything else, but don't ever use it for your drawing, idiots. Exactly. Um, that's that's nonsense. Yeah. And and so, and, and another thing, I mean, to you know, for photo reference, I think it, it always helps with, like, a lot of artists will struggle with cars or with animals or things like that. You know, it's... It just makes your life easier, so you don't have to sit there and go, "How the fuck do I draw a horse?" Uh, you know, and and you can also, I mean, with Greg Smallwood, uh, if you look on his Twitter, he's a few different times, and same with Mitch Garrods, they've posted kind of shots of the collages that they create uh, to make their panels. And so, what Smallwood does a lot is he'll take he'll take photo reference for like poses and framing and stuff like that, um, but then he uses a program called Sculptress to actually make faces for a lot of different characters and he'll just paste their face on top of whatever uh photo reference he took and then just do a drawing that sort of combines all those into one cohesive image um that's crazy yeah it's really cool and fascinating to look at i I highly recommend uh checking both those guys out on twitter to kind of see some of the stuff i'm talking about here Sculptress. Um, I'd never uh, heard of that before. Is that a program that you can get for free, or is yeah, that a monthly? It's a free. It's a free program. Um, I've used it a little bit before, and it's it's actually surprisingly intuitive. I feel like if I had watched, you know, maybe an hour of YouTube videos on how to use Sculptress, I probably could have gotten pretty decent at using it. Wow, um, that yeah, sounds I mean, crazy. Yeah, and Smallwood, you know, he he'll post some of the, you know, some of the faces that he sculpts on there, and. You know, he does a damn good job of them. I'll, I'll say that. Um, well, that actually leads into something that I'd had uh, kind of prepared. He's not necessarily a comic artist, but there's an illustrator named uh, James Gurney. He's famous for creating Dinotopia. Mm. And he recommends making uh, literal sculptures, 3D sculptures out of clay of your characters so that you can see them from all different angles. Yeah. Uh, so you're like, oh, that's a lower angle. We're looking up at them. Oh, it's an over-the-head shot, and it's cons- it keeps the it consistent, mm-hmm. uh, so that your character you're you're drawing from something that's similar. Not I have never done that personally, but uh, I have definitely used a similar method of uh, using a style guide. Uh, those are f- really famous at like DC and Marvel to mm-hmm. make sure you're drawing it the character in that style in the right way, but I want to make sure that I'm drawing my own characters as consistently as I can, but I still want to 
I still want to get better at it, so I don't hold myself to that like 100%. Yeah. But I, it helps me to see what are my best drawings of my characters. Mm-hmm. And let's see if I can do that, if not better, regardless of what the angle is. And that helps me a lot is using something like a style guide, which is reference. I'm using my own artwork as a reference. Yeah. And, and here, here's the thing, too. I mean, you know, artists for years have had, you know, like the little... I'm, I even have one on my desk right now. The little sort of like mannequin things that uh, that you kind of pose and, and shape in different ways. And Absolutely. hold a lamp over to see how lighting looks. Um, you know, like people have been using that. There's, you have all sorts of like facial expression and art model books out there. You know, tons of people will have just like books of just art model photos. Um, I see, uh, illust- or animators using mirrors. Totally. Oh yeah. All the time. I mean, I, I actually <laughs> sitting at the top of my Amazon wish list right now is, uh, uh, a desk mirror that I can use for that specific reason. So I can, you know, do facial Bam. expressions better than just imagining them. Um, and, and I mean, the nice thing is with computers now, with the internet and, and the magic of all this, is that some of those tools are out there basically, you know, for free to use, um, you know, or if not free, very cheap. There's a there's an app called Handy, uh, which you can download that basically gives you references for hands and for feet. And so you can pose hands and feet in all these different ways. What? Yeah. Writing that down. It's, it's Handy. super okay. great because, I mean, everyone knows that I'm is really like going to use that part of the human anatomy. That is the hardest part to draw. Uh, absolutely and so that takes all of that difficult work out there um there's also another app called po- uh, pose tool 3d and that you know is uh, just like it sounds it gives you sort of you know human figures to pose from it's like three bucks on the app store or something like that uh um, so that's a bargain totally and it's like th- there's all these all these resources it's really just about this this whole episode i think can be summed up in don't make your life a living hell. You know, like like make it easy on yourself wherever you can. Uh, you're already gonna have to do a ton of work and work so hard. Yeah. Anyway, you're yeah. you're gonna have to do an ungodly amount of work. Why not just make it a little bit easier and make you like burn you out a little bit less, make you run a little bit farther and a little bit faster and a little bit happier. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I've I've got uh, a few other ones that I wanted to mention. Uh, Pose Maniacs. Mm. Uh, it's a 3d it's not like a it's a little bit older of a website but it's it's got 3d models that you can't move them around but there's enough variety that you'll probably be able to use uh, one of them for reference and they are of uh, muscled uh, figures oh interesting you can see all the muscles that's really really good one for female and male mm-hmm. that's awesome i dig it yeah that was, that was a good one uh i actually had a few other reference tools that i wanted to to do a shout out to did you have any others uh, I mean, that's that's all you know. That's all I've got. We'll we'll have our reference of the week later after the the interview. But whatever other reference you know we have, kind of pertaining to this topic today, uh, feel free give them give them all the tools that they can get. Just a couple more. Uh, so Google Photos, uh, I think, is something that everyone should be using for their own personal photos, just like hanging out with your friends or whatever. But why not also use it as a it's it's a uh, it's a cloud for Google. If you have if you're not familiar with it, it's a free cloud with Google, free cloud, unlimited photos. Uh, not necessarily unlimited pixel size. It goes up to 12 megapixels as of this recording. But why not just load that up with lots and lots and lots of photo reference that we don't have yep. to worry about, oh, do I have the storage for this? Then you've got your own vault that you can start for yourself if that's yeah. how you want to work from. Google Photos is great for that. It's it's a thing back back in the day when I uh, was working in, in uh, cell phones. I, I sold cell phones at a store, managed a retail store for a giant wireless conglomerate that has no soul. Um that was one thing that I would set up for people a lot is Google Photos because even just from, you know, like the perspective of, hey, you don't want to lose your photos. Like, you know, people like keeping those. And if your phone breaks, like it sucks to do that. 
And so having that, or even, you know, iCloud has a, a more limited version of that. But, um, but yeah, setting up Google Photos, and then you know, just like you say, you could just use that as exclusively your reference photo thing. And so you can just take reference photos, put them in that Google Cloud, and then whenever you're drawing, especially if you draw digitally, or even if you don't, you know, you can have it on sort of next to your drawing board. Uh, you know, you can just pull up Google Photos and flip through there and find the photo you're looking for, and boom, you're 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 off to the races. Exactly. So uh, another one is to now that's that's super current and very high tech and modern. But another one that you could use that's less uh, high tech is you could go you could do the books, but I guess you could also use the internet and go and just search royalty free images. If you're worried about uh, you know the level of photo reference that you're going to use and like maybe potential copyright issues. Uh, make you know do a little you know verify the the website and its authenticity, but uh, also in that kind of regard of uh, copyright free stuff, uh, according to the copy uh, the U.S. Copyright Office, uh, any works published in the United States before January first, nineteen twenty three, are in the public domain. Mm. You can do all sorts of stuff with like mustachioed men wearing high waisted shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, uh, that's writing, it's writing all the, out there for the, the, you're the, using. If you're uh, if you're worried about um, the level of reference and copyright stuff, you know, there's there's tons of uh, thousands of years of history of material that can be used um, at your fingertips. It doesn't have to be modern if you want it to be. Find photos of those 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 dudes riding uh, the bikes with like the giant wheel on the front and then the tiny one in the back. <laughs> Why did they do that? Isn't that weird? That's such a weird design choice to start from. Like, how do you, you get on and off that bike? I have no idea. I have no idea how they ever managed. But like, it's, it's it's like so weird. Like, wouldn't you think that the starting point would be wheels that are the same size, right? Like, uh, I I, I don't have, know about you, but I gotta have this one huge wheel and then a tiny, yeah. tiny, tiny one. This is the only the only way that makes sense. I question. I like. I I would I would love to know why John Bicycle uh, decided to 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 put that into the design. We'll get an interview with him someday. Yeah, we'll get him. Um. Anyway, that's pretty the, much uh, all I had for for reference tools. Yeah, the biggest thing, just like don't like don't kill yourself. Use whatever references are available to you, and also don't be a slave. You know, like find that middle ground where you can still have stylistic expression and still interpret things. You know, through your lens, but also don't be sitting there and and doing like a million layouts until you have you know until you figure out how to frame something right. Like, take some photos. Don't reinvent the wheel. Exactly. It's, exactly. Yeah. It's it, these these tools are out there and they're they're waiting for you to use them and to make your life easier and for you to get more work done and for you to be happier uh, with the 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 quantity that you're making instead of mm-hmm. making one issue you could be making three yeah well uh, I think that is it for this segment we've rambled on enough especially me I've rambled a lot this episode I'm exhausted Kent it's another episode in the can we're oh, we're nailing man. this two times the experts. Five times the knowledge, ten times the awesome, and fifty-eight times the balls. Oh, no, no, didn't, didn't like not, not that, that one. one. Not that, that one. one. That no. one didn't land. Yeah, I don't like that one. Doesn't make sense. Uh, well, it's 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 been a long episode, but uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. It's actually it's not that long. It's a regular length episode. Oh yeah, um, but oh. you know it's not the size of the episode. It's the motion of the wavelengths. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, we hope you've enjoyed listening to uh, all of our all of our amusings m- amusings all of our musings on on comics and craft and and all that stuff. Uh, appreciate you, you sticking around for the oh, whole thing. Listening so to much. experts, top of the line, yeah, top of the line people, and and then us. us. <laughs> <laughs> 
Really, though, we appreciate you sticking around. Uh, Kent, if they want to stick around on over to your social media platforms, where, where are they going to find you? Well, uh, again, my name is Kent Heidelman, so at Kent Heidelman, all the social medias, but Instagram is the place to be for me. Uh, and my comic you can read for free at scariestinscreamforth.com. Hell and, yeah. Read it to uh, your kids at, at night in yeah, bed. I'm kind of going for an all-ages thing. Anyway, oh, yeah. Jason, what about you? Where can the good people find you? Oh, man, they can find me at thatmightbecool.com, where all my podcasts are hosted and where all of my future work will be. It's kind of my portfolio website slash podcast network. It's a fun time. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at thatmightbecool and on Instagram at a white kid, where you'll find all my little sketchies, all my little sketchy poos. What about uh, your little ma- magazine articles? Oh, the, oh, my little articles. Oh, thank you for bringing it up. You can go to panelxpanel.com uh, where you can find uh, the articles of myself as well as a bunch of other creative uh, professionals, some some wonderful contributors, comics pros themselves. Uh, Dave Gibbons contributed to this magazine. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? A, Old Dave Gibbons. That's a no name. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a chump. Oh he wouldn't know a comic if it slapped him in the back of the head. He'll never met. He'll <laughs> never do anything never of value. Anything. It's really. I'm disappointed in him, honestly. Um, and you can also find our show at TMBC Workshop on every major social media outlet. And don't forget, if you send a 30 second or less MP3 advertising your comic, there's a chance it might be just in our uh, ad break on episode 10 of this very season for free, 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 Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, we want to. We want to give an opportunity to. One lucky comic out there to yeah. get some free ad space or unlucky. Maybe we don't even know right now, but like Could maybe be. maybe there's Could like be. two. Maybe people. it's really bad to be on this podcast. Yeah, maybe it's really we're about to say some hateful and ignorant stuff oh, on that's episode not ten. Going to intentionally happen? No, it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, so hopefully, hopefully there's enough. You know, there's there's some people listening to this show, and it'll do some good for you. But we we want to help you make comics and uh, sell those comics that you make. So that's the dream. That's the dream. Uh, Kent. I think it's about time today to tell everybody to go make some comics. And also, what's next? I think it's time to let somebody tell us why they love comics. I think it's Steve Lieber today. I think Steve Lieber's telling us why he loves comics. Steve, why do you love comics? I think comics shows me. I I have a piece of paper from when I was in the first grade where they asked us to write, uh, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I put down two things. Uh, cowboy did not work out, but uh, the other was was a comic book drawer, and here I am. That might be cool.com. You never know.